0: Welcome to the Metaphysical Martini Show, where wit and wisdom come together to bridge the gap between the spirit realm and the physical world, with Ani Avedisian, the Suburban Shaman, a production of Cosmic Reality Radio. Welcome to Metaphysical Martini. Three parts spirit, one part rational mind. Add two drops of optimism. Give it all a good hard shake and pour. Dress it with the olives of grace and empathy. Sit back, sip slowly, and contemplate the wonder of cosmic creation. And we're back! Hello! A hearty, hearty hello to everyone out there. Thanks for joining me for yet another round of Cosmic Cocktails on this week's Metaphysical Martini, the show that tries to sort out what's true, what's woo, and what gets flushed down the loo in today's multi-layered and often murky little world. Our goal here at Metaphysical Martini is to let the spirit inhabit the human, to help we, the people, reclaim our minds from generations of perceptual engineering designed to turn us into compliant, obedient servants of the establishment. A sort of meat-covered automaton, really, sitting in front of television screens, hungrily gobbling up whatever swill the daily spin churns out. Our war cry is, awaken, O my people. Do not follow the path of the sheeple, and do not give your God cause to weeple. Because open hearts and open minds, O such treasures we shall find. From time to time I have to sit back, and I have to look at us, the world in general, and all the, the magnificence that we really are just the glorious thing that we are, this cosmic intelligence. And I have to ask ourselves, how did we become so petty? You know, so fragile, so easily triggered, and so convinced that our point of view is the only point of view worth considering. After all, aren't we cosmic co-creators? Aren't we manifestations of supreme cosmic intelligence? Isn't our default coding to boldly go where no one has gone before? To explore new worlds, new ideas, new ways of living, new ways of messing things up, and new ways of resolving them? I say, people, be a little wary of anyone seeking to limit your thought process, because this is a major problem in today's world. Be wary. Be wary. Don't be weary. We're all weary. Be wary of anyone seeking to regulate your personal preferences and habits. And be wary of those who seek to control you by what I call homogenizing, sanitizing, and ultimately dehumanizing you. Be very wary of those who would have you replace your soul connection with a consumerist mentality. Now, this is a physical realm. And there are many material pleasures to be enjoyed, and that's all well and good. But, and it's a big but, the physical realm is temporal. We should enjoy all that it has to offer. Of course, that's why we create them. But we should enjoy it all while striving to enhance the experience for ourselves and for others. You know, we created these realms as playgrounds. I believe we did. Playgrounds, adventure parks. So let's have a blast down here, but let's also remember that the only thing we take with us after physical death is a record of the experience. I don't know about you, but when I'm on the other side reading that record, I very much hope that I get to give myself a high five for enjoying the physical realm, but also for not being tricked into worshipping the false god of kings and things. I think we need to be reminded of this daily, that we're greater than just our personalities and greater than just our physical selves. So, hey, we are about three weeks into 2020, And as the song goes, the times, they are a-changing. The establishment is losing ground. I have it on good authority, and it shows that they are terrified, and they're acting like rabid beasts, trying to implement their Orwellian agendas as quickly as possible. But here's the thing. We, the people, are finally waking up. It's slow. Lord knows it's been a slow process, but we are waking up and we are paying attention and huge mountains of corruption are being exposed. And we've woken up to realize that we don't want our children taken away from us under protective custody and injected with God knows what. And we don't want our beautiful older neighborhoods torn down to make way for densely populated, dystopian dwelling blocks. You know, some of us may have figured out even that, uh, well, perpetual warfare serves only one purpose. To keep the wheels of industry turning, to generate product and to show profit, but without any actual benefit to the people. Quite the opposite, in fact. And that's just the beginning, isn't it? We're at a time of great illumination, a time of great awakening. Half the people are going, yippee, hurrah. The other half have their heads um, in the sand and don't want to engage. So you know what we need to do, people? Let's talk. Let's discuss. Let's debate. Let's exchange ideas because a soul-centered exchange of ideas expands cosmic consciousness and makes our world a better place. And who wouldn't want that? Apparently, a few don't. But I do. I'm sure you do. And with that said, let's get to Q&A, questions and answers, because that's the main portion of this show. And if we don't have answers, we'll discuss ideas. You can email your questions to me, arnie at arnieabadician.com, or you can send a postcard, and many of you do, and I like that. Send that to Cosmic Arnie, P.O. Box 714, Wilsonville, Oregon, 97070, United States of America. All right, let's pick something out of our sorting hat, and our first question today comes from Jody. Jody is in Yakima, Washington. She says, Dear Annie, clarification, please. What is meant by the new golden age? And can you define ascension for us, please? My book club almost came to blows over these questions. I might be in the wrong club. Well, Jodie, darling, perhaps you are in the wrong club debate is not supposed to end in violence. Um, I should come and sit in on that book club. It sounds like a good time. So let's answer your questions or let's make an effort. What is the new golden age? Hmm. Well, all things divine, or if you prefer the term relating to supreme cosmic intelligence, are referred to as golden. When our minds and our hearts are illuminated in the golden light of divine grace, we see the true value of things. We see what was hidden in plain view, and we see all that we have been prudently and skillfully distracted from. And from this great illumination comes a great awakening, and as a result of this awakening, society is rebuilt on fair, equitable, and harmonious principles. Corruption is exposed. Organizations, religious, corporate, military, government, blah, 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 all those that do not serve the greater good, they will be dismantled and replaced with bodies committed to working for the betterment of mankind. The phrase moral compass will be understood once again, and there will be no left wings or right wings. The body will use both wings and call it balance. Keywords for the golden age, the new golden age, I would say people over profit, morals over money, less government, more people working in harmony with each other and Mother Earth. Sovereign nations will no longer be dictated to by establishment globalists. They will retain their unique cultural color, yet live in harmony with other nations, respecting borders and boundaries for as long as we deem it necessary to do so. Secure in the knowledge that we are all ultimately one sovereign soul, one sovereign soul, having multiple experiences. And in this new golden age, respect and common ground will also be key words I would say just as deep state ideology currently corrupts our minds and hearts and our values, so will the golden light uplift and illuminate our realm, and hallelujah to that. So that is what is meant by the new golden age. People understanding absolute equality, unconditional love, and realizing that they don't have to all look the same to respect each other. That unity through diversity really is the true challenge of living on a physical realm. Think about that for a moment. And as for ascension, I wish I had $100 for every time I've been asked this question. Uh, Ascension isn't an event. It's not one event. It's a series of events. It's ongoing. It's a process. During a period of great illumination where all is revealed, we see... What works and what irks? So in recent time, you could say a button was pressed during winter solstice 2012 to make way for the monastic energies, for the, um, how do I paraphrase that? The higher cosmic energies to pour into our realm and to illuminate us. So in short, ascension is a process of spiritual awakening that moves us into a higher consciousness. And of course, that is part of the new golden age where we live in a new, higher consciousness. I seem to remember that I started an Ascension support group, and that's exactly what I called it, back in 2011, to prepare people for the process of Ascension. And some people did benefit from it. It was actually quite well attended, and I'm glad they did, of course. But I must say I was surprised by how many people were convinced that Winter Solstice 2012 was going to be a one-time mega-event With um, intergalactic beings landing their craft en masse, throwing out the bad guys, and personally leading us into the new golden age and taking over our government, etc. And many people, human people, went as far as selling their possessions, cashing in their assets, convinced that when they woke up on December 26, 2012, the world as they knew it would be changed beyond recognition, that there would be a massive dimensional shift, and overnight, poof, everything would be glorious and perfect. Well, a beautiful thought, but how incredibly naive. It's our responsibility to shift shift consciousness in our world, isn't it? It's our responsibility. It's our responsibility to clean up our mess. Growth comes through the learning process. I think we should just be grateful that every 26,000 years or so, there is an illumination of some sort where the universe allows beings of greater awakening capacity to come in and give us a hand with our house cleaning. So thank you for the question, Jody. Give my love to your book club and uh, I'll take bandages with you next time. Okay. All right. Let's have a sip of my martini. Ooh, <clears throat> that's a little too strong. Ah, alright, here's another one, <laughs> another question from Connor in Canada. Hello Connor. Connor asks, if life is an eternal cycle, what is the point of it all? Why not just stay in source energy and be radiant? Well Connor, doesn't that sound a tad boring to you? I mean, Source is the potential and totality of all that is. Everything outside it is the temporal experience, the adventure, the fun part. Do you really want to sit there for eternity in a pool of unexpressed perfection, patting yourself on your unformed back for being so radiant and and so crystal clear, yet so very dull because you haven't done anything? Come on, man, you're a Canadian for heaven's sake. Where's your sense of adventure? Connor, you made the decision to incarnate because you are a manifestation of supreme cosmic intelligence. You are the one who gets to decide what the point of it all is. So get out there, man. Have some fun and do something useful with your incarnation and keep warm because it's winter and you know, winter in Canada. Woohoo. Here's another question and this one is from Danielle. And Daniel asks, dear Annie, my parents were atheists, but were very good and loving people who truly understood what it meant to be mindful and to live in the moment. They taught me to love, to be kind, to be courteous and respectful. They never displayed the arrogance that deeply committed atheists and religious people do. I do not feel deprived in any way of the axioms of life. But recently, I feel I would like to learn a new language, a new way of looking at life. Do you have any recommendations for books for people who are at the very beginning of their spiritual journey? I'm looking for recommendations for spiritual understanding and growth only. I am not ready to discuss dark forces or dark agendas. Don't panic, darling. I'm not going to go there. And I have to say, Danielle, you are truly blessed to have been raised by such awakened souls. So here's five 101 books to read and in no particular order that I think are very suitable for people at the very beginning of their journey. So first off, excuse me, I would get a new earth. Awakening to your life's purpose by Eckhart Tolle. He writes very, very well. And this book is about transcending ego-based consciousness. Here's a hint. Everything in spirituality and metaphysics is about transcending ego-based consciousness. We just need a hundred different ways of saying the same thing. But a new earth awakening to your life's purpose, Eckhart Tolle, a must-have. Another one I think everyone should have is You Can Heal Your Life by Louise Hay. And this is a classic self-help book. She was one of the first ones in our modern era to go out there and say, you know what? God loves you. Um, And she also said, if we're willing to do the mental work, almost anything can be healed. So she's very into the proactive, you know, let the spirit inhabit the human, a classic Uh, Again, if I had a buck for every time I I gave this book away, I'd probably be a dollar millionaire by now. After that, I'd go with actually one of my favorites, um, The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. And Don Miguel bases this on his uh, native Toltec wisdom. And, you know, he's explaining how to overcome self-limiting beliefs, uh, which is exactly the same as ego-based consciousness. But it's a wonderful book, and he's written other books, and you can get them all. But The Four Agreements, I love basics, and he really explains the basics well on that one. And what else shall I go for? I would say The Untethered Soul, The Journey Beyond Yourself by Michael A. Singer. Very well written, a very blissful book. I, I enjoy the vibration of it and um, how it was written. And uh, what is it about? Well, darling, you guessed it. It's about soaring beyond your self imposed boundaries, because that's what everything is about. And that's where it starts. And then I think for my fifth pick, I'm going to go with Deepak Chopra and I'm going to go with his shorter book, The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success. Now, this book talks about aligning with prosperity, as in money prosperity. And let's be honest, money is something we humans have issues with. And we shouldn't, because it's a major part of the world we co-created. It's how we've set things up. And our relationship with currency and, and with everything else on our realm should be a functional one. And this little book explains it very, very well. I think I remember Louise Hay saying once that because, uh, you know, she gave a lot of workshops, did a lot of workshops, um, spread a lot of information, saved a lot of lives, I think. And she said that it was easier to talk about dysfunctional sex than it was to talk about money. So this little book, mm-hmm. The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success by Deepak Chopra, it really its not just about bringing money in. It's about the consciousness that brings money in and it weaves it all together very well. So, Daniel, I, I want to particularly thank you for this email because uh, there's a lot of people out there. Who, perhaps there's millions of self-help books, thousands of uh, spiritual books, don't know where to start. I'd start with these. So thank you for giving me the opportunity to make these suggestions. And if you need phase two, just drop me a line, send me an email, and I'll be happy to help you with your reading list mark two. All righty. Mm, it's a little dry. Let me try this exceptionally strong martini again. <clears throat> Note to self, do not load it up so much next time. <clears throat> Another question. Let's see. Um, oh, this is a blank postcard with no name, but it's oh, It's postmarked locally right here in Wilsonville, Oregon. How interesting. I hope this is not a prank from one of my friends. Hello, Arnie. How do you ground yourself when you are anxious? Hmm. Well, I meditate regularly, so anxiety isn't much of an issue for me. I have a body, um, quite a large body, perhaps. um, And I also benefit from gravitational pull. And most of the time, I'm going to have to say that's enough. And I think perhaps grounding isn't fully understood, Most people think it means taking refuge in the physical, but grounding is about allowing the glory of cosmic intelligence to flow through you, but in a way that doesn't short-circuit your human. So when we plug an appliance into a wall socket, it feeds from the greater electrical grid, which is massive and very powerful, but the plug is grounded, so instead of an explosion, we get Toast or tea or whatever the purpose of the appliance is. So to avoid anxiety, that's the way to go, isn't it? I mean, daily breath meditation, it reduces anxiety and it will eliminate it altogether. But I understand that some people have moments where they're caught by surprise and anxiety seems to take over. So I've got a little double whammy short exercise. I I, I will suggest the following. When you're taken unawares by the anxiety, Take one very deep, slow, purposeful breath, relaxing the shoulders, and then repeat the breath. Now you've taken two breaths and your shoulders are relaxed. Now take your hand and put it about six inches above the part of the body where you feel the anxiety is located. And you'll feel it. Now repeat the breath, and again, and again, and here's the thing, as you breathe, and if you're breathing properly using your diaphragm, you will feel your hand moving outward away from the body, and this is the electrical disruption caused by the anxiety moving out of your light body and the light body repairing itself. Put your hand where you feel it, and as you breathe, you won't be doing this, but your hand will move away as the disruption in your body heals and moves out. And you can repeat this process from step one until the feeling has passed and your hand no longer moves away from the body, indicating that your electrical light body is stable enough. And once the crisis moment has passed and you feel more settled, engage your five physical senses. Something simple. Look around you. Pick something up. Touch it. Smell it. Taste it, if appropriate and safe to do so. Shake it. Does it make a sound? You see, what you've done is you've moved out the electrical disruption the anxiety out of the body, and then you've engaged and reintegrated with the physical world around you. That's all it takes. My elder shaman would say, um, reach for something you can eat, like a lemon or an apple. It may not always be convenient. You can't go around I mean, if you're in a butcher's shop, you're not going to go around tasting raw meat, but you know, you're wanting to try to engage with all your five senses. Move the disruption out, do the five physical senses And you know what? It's done. That's all it takes. And thank you, whoever you are, for the question. And a reminder for all of us, we are the co-creators of our world. We write the story. We make the movie. It is deeply dysfunctional to be in a state of perpetual anxiety. It is not healthy for us to be afraid of our own creation. And the best way to deal with the very high levels of anxiety we experience today is to eliminate the cause and to retrain ourselves to be masters of our experience. And we're not going to be able to do that if our energy anatomy is crazy all over the place. So once again, people, there is a reason why shamans, monks, priests, whatever go around all day long going, breath meditation, breath meditation. You want healing to be permanent or do you want it to be a Band-Aid patch? If you want healing and shift to be permanent, make sure that your energy anatomy is disrupted, is never disrupted. After all, you take your car in every 7,500 miles, don't you? Why not take your electrical anatomy in every so often as well? And a couple of quickie questions here, I think, and then we really need to move on. Uh, Ani, Sasquatch, true or false? And <laughs> why are the photo 's always so fuzzy well sasquatch true why are the photos fuzzy? Well, maybe two reasons i don 't think people go around holding their camera at the steady, waiting for Sasquatch to appear out of nowhere, and if he did you 'd probably be a bit shocked and take a fuzzy shot and ultimately, well, Sasquatch is fuzzy, so that 's why um, i 'd like to do a whole show on Sasquatch actually, and other such interesting beings so um Hold on there because as far as Sasquatch is concerned the best is Yeti to come. And uh, another quick question uh Annie why does it take so long for the truth to be exposed? Uh I think that's very simple. People are trained not to be free thinkers, not to be critical thinkers. And they're trained to react to carefully crafted sound bites and video bites. And nobody likes to be proved wrong. And people get their news from social media or mainstream media. And they're distracted from the main event time and time and time again. So, again, critical thinking skills, people, just goes hand in hand with the breathing. Three-part spirit, one-part rational mind. Very important that those things go together. So I thank you all for those questions. And if we have time at the end of the show, we can take some more. But now I think we should do a gong. And I should take a sip of my martini. Mm. And now it's time for a segment that I like to call Plato Chips. Yes, folks, it's where we chat about and quote a philosopher of note. Now, on our last show, we discussed the Stoic Epictetus, or as we called him in school, Epictets, and I want to let you know that never gets old. So this week, and by special request from a group of young theorists who get together regularly to listen to the show on YouTube, thank you, thank you, we are going to feature Kung Fu Tzu, or as we know him in the West, Confucius. Now, many are surprised to realize that he was a real person, because most peeps in the West, at least, think he's a fictional character because of all those funny Confucius say jokes. Well, surprise, surprise, he was a real person. And as far as we know, well, he wasn't a comedian. And he lived a very long time ago. So what was it? Five, five, one to seven, forty nine. Before Common Era, something along those lines. Um, So we don't know much about him for certain, but we do know he lived in the Principality of Lu, which I believe is located near modern-day Shandong province in China. He was Chinese. Uh, I think he was born into a noble family, but one that had fallen on hard times. And that would make sense, because when you read his work and when you consider his teaching, a great deal of it spoke to personal integrity, looking within. He didn't sound like someone born into great wealth or power. He was a committed public servant, uh, not just a, a civil servant type pushing paper around, waiting for a pension. No, he was someone he was someone who could influence the collective for the benefit of the nation. He set great store by public service. And many people actually criticized him for some of his teachings with relation to public service because they said, well, you know, Confucius, Confucius, you're conformist. You're encouraging obedience and loyalty to the state. But I don't think Confucius saw it that way. In my mind, he believed that one could be a free-thinking individual, an inspired critical thinker, and still work for collective harmony. In his mind, what would be the purpose of having one's own mind and individual freedoms if not to benefit the collective, uh, the state? And he might have a point there, you know. A collective of open-minded, well-educated free thinkers all working together for the benefit of the whole What a radical concept. So what did what did he do, this young man? What did he get up to when he was young? he, He held various local government positions, nothing particularly prestigious as far as I know. I think they put him in charge of supervising grain stores. It's important. Uh, and I think he was in charge of uh, maintaining and procuring sacrificial animals. And remember, this is BCE. That sort of thing was very important. Uh, and but he was conscientious. He was diligent. And ultimately, I think he figured out he was capable of a lot more than just local government. And again, we don't really know all the details. But in his early 20s, he opened his own school. Now you think, oh, is that a big thing? Well, actually, it is. It's important to remember or to note if you didn't know that during his lifetime education was only available to the highborn and that meant that not only um that only the highborn could serve in positions of power now confucius didn't think that was fair or good for the state so he made education available to anyone who could handle the curriculum and pay the modest fee, which apparently was something along the lines of 10 strips of dried beef. So this was radical, not the dried beef. I mean, the notion of being a private tutor and educating the masses, not just the highborn, this was radical, giving the lowborn an education and opening the doors to new opportunities for them. Now, even though his teaching, his emphasis was on preparing people for government work, Isn't that a pre-birth agreement? Doesn't that scream to you? China is a huge country. If not governed properly and all the ethnic groups not understood well, it could be chaos. I think this was a huge pre-birth agreement he came. He had to come in and educate all classes of people in China. Um, So, you know, even though it was about government work, the curriculum he chose was broad and varied because he thought that serving your country means serving your people. Understanding the range of cultural color, he believed, would make people better supervisors, better administrators, better governors, and of course it would. So I would say um, Confucius, in many respects, he was ahead of his time, but he was also a stickler for tradition, and he was a specialist in ancient rites and rituals. So he thought, if you don't know where you came from, how will you know where you're going? He believed in respecting tradition. He thought that it instilled respect for the self and the state. He believed that understanding and performing traditional ceremonies properly would strengthen the collective and the energy of the rituals would bring out the best in the leaders, inspiring them to be strong and fair and benevolent and compassionate and would give the administration also credibility. And as a shaman who loves a bit of ritual, I can't disagree with him there. And in fact, it was his knowledge of correct ritual that helped him advance in government. Everybody wanted to hire him. Nobody knew how to do things properly. He did. And after a while, he did become the minister of law in his home province of Lu. And I think that takes us up to about 497 before Common Era. Um, but after he became minister of uh, law, we know that that didn't last more than about four years. And he resigned from the position because... Even though he knew that his job was to serve the state, he did not believe the governor was a good leader, and he couldn't morally handle that. And there are a few different versions of that story, as there always uh, you know, are, but um, I think that's the one that resonates with me. You know, in those days, acting as an advisor or a minister for a high-born leader, it was a mixed bag. You had rank, you had privilege, you had money, you had good food. But if your boss did not like the advice you gave and refused to take it, and if you pushed him too hard on it, it could be fatal. So your options were to shut up or walk away and walk out, and walk away and walk out is what Confucius did. And so the story says he took some of his disciples with him and he went out on the road visiting all the provinces, looking for an awakened leader to serve. But uh, this era was rife with corruption and mistrust, was not a good time. Honor, integrity were not keywords, and people quite literally laughed in his face and told him that he served a hopeless cause. Well, he spent 13 years on the road with his disciples, and he never did succeed in getting a suitable post. But you know what? What an enriching experience all that travel must have been for the entourage. Finally, they all returned to their home province in uh, Lu and Confucius still was unable to find any honorable leadership through which to serve the state. So he had no option but to return to teachings. And about that time, he would have been about 68 by then, and he died five years later. And the only reason we know his teachings is through his students. They recorded his sayings into a book known in China as Lunyu. In the West, we know it as the Analects of Confucius, Analect being a collection of short literary or philosophical extracts. And by the way, I think you can buy this for as little as 3.99 on thrift books. Um, I highly recommend it. Anyway, even though he never worked in his dream job of he wanted to be minister of state, we mustn't think for one moment that his contribution to Chinese philosophy went unnoticed or passed over without honor, because up until the 20th century, Confucianism was the official state philosophy of China. So I could talk about this chap for hours, but I won't um, because I don't have hours and you can buy the book. So let's share a few of those Analects, shall we? Let's pick 10. Confucius say, the journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. So true. Confucius say, choose a job you love and you will never have to work a day in your life. I can attest to that. Confucius say, Learn avidly, question it repeatedly, analyze it carefully, then put what you have learned into practice intelligently. I couldn't agree more. Confucius say, if you are the smartest person in the room, walk out, for you are in the wrong room. (laughs) Confucius say, worry not that no one knows you. Seek to be worth knowing. And here's one of my favourites. Never give a sword to a man who can't dance. I thoroughly agree. You should never, ever give a weapon to someone who doesn't have a sense of humour. And that, my darlings, deserves another gong, because that's Plato Chips for this week. And every time I gong, I have a sip of martini because someone has to, and I'm the only person in the room. All right, what's next? Ah, yes, I think it's time for a little pat of poetry. Yes, folks, after a hard day's shamaning, I like nothing better than coming home to a nice cup of tea or a small drinky-poo, putting my feet up and writing really bad, non-peer-reviewed poetry. After all, why have um, Ezra Pound and literary prowess when you can have me, Cosmic Arnie, and a whole lot less? Today's poem is yet another offering in my never-ending anthology of alien poetry, Aliens in Human Situations. And this one is called Aliens Like to Visit My Local Pub. Thank you very much. Aliens like to visit my local pub. They like the feel of a cosy hub. They don't drink much, and they almost never order the grub. But there's one starship trooper who is not a party pooper. He enjoys the local colour and consumes salt and vinegar crisps like no other. He says the taste makes his senses tingle. And he prefers Smith's Crisps to anything made by Pringles. And he'll have a pint of two of the lager, but avoids the nasty IPA because it gives him shingles. First contact should be social, I think. A slice of pizza, a smile, and a drink. ETs are portrayed as evil and bloody. But my alien friends are warm and quite cuddly. Thank you, people. That was Aliens Like to Visit My Local Pub, and indeed, they do. All right. Now, it's time for a segment I like to call Tarot a Go-Go. I was going to leave this segment out, but apparently many of you enjoy it, so it's back in. And what is Tarot a Go-Go? It is a little shenaniganer with the major arcana. Using the Rider Waite cards because... It's still the best-known and most commonly used deck of cards for tarot. I personally favor the Robin Wood deck, but we started with Rider Waite, so we shall persevere. The featured card on our last show was number 10, The Wheel of Fortune. So today's focus is number 11, Justice. So, let's rearrange my chair and let's look at this card and see what comes up. Justice number 11. Well, the figure is female a female justice. If mummy isn't happy, no one is happy. (laughs) She doesn't have a blindfold over her eyes, the usual symbol for equality under the law, but she does convey, I think, an impartial yet authoritative demeanor. That blindfold thing anyway, I think that's a little bit kinky anyway. I'm glad they didn't do that. What else has she got? Oh, she has a green cape over a red robe. That would be the colors of Venus and Mars, male and female, sitting together. So again, that represents balance, and she holds the scales in one hand and the sword of justice in the other. So when you pick this card or have it in a spread, the first thing people want to figure out is whether they're dealing with a physical legal situation or some sort of karmic justice, because it can be both. And of course, they're interrelated. Either way, it generally means that justice prevails and you will receive fair and balanced judgment and get what is due to you. What is due to you, of course, is completely up to you. It could be 10 years or it could be $10 million. So this card asks us to look at how we treat others because what goes around comes around. And if we're out of balance, well, that sort of justice she's holding, it's probably quite sharp. When you pick this card, especially if I pick it just a random one-off, just a, one card out of the deck, it asks us to examine priorities and refine them if necessary. We have to think about, um, well, how far will we go to get what we want? Are we respecting the rights of others as we go about our business? Do we have to take action to restore harmony Do we truly understand how actions and consequences play out? Do we have the maturity to analyze our actions and understand the impact they have on others? Very contemplative card. Now, if you pick this card reversed, there's an imbalance somewhere that needs to be addressed. Perhaps you are being unfairly judged. Perhaps you are judging others unfairly. Reversed means a lot of communication associated with this card. Conflict, bigotry, engaging in illegal activity, perhaps, an abuse of the process, trying to get away with stuff, uh, corruption. It's possible if you have a court case pending, you will probably lose the court case or be involved in lengthy, expensive litigation. Either way, when you get this card reversed, things are not going your way, or you are preventing others from receiving a fair trial. Number 11, justice. I think we can say time to review accountability. And again, when you pick a card, don't go running to the book and go, it means this. Anyone who studies tarot knows that it's wonderful to know what the card means, but The meaning varies according to the question, according to the position in the deck. There are so many factors that go with it. Tarot shouldn't just be used for divination. No one knows what the future is going to bring. It's all a pool of potential. But you can use it to awaken your psychic senses by using the cards to stimulate your creative visualization. And visualization is very important because if life is about manipulating energy and that's not a romantic way of putting it but that's what we do when we co-create then we visualized everything before we made anything physical and we have forgotten how to manipulate energy on our realm and tarot is a lovely way of doing that okay should we do a gong let's do a gong we're gonna do a gong (laughs) Because right now it's the only sound effect I have. But I will have more sound effects at some point. And we gonged because, yes, it's time for the wizard's gizzard. A little spiritual ritual that you can make habitual. Yes, my darlings, it's back. You said you missed it. So here it is. (laughs) Today's whiz is called... Oh, my God, Arnie, I'm never doing that. Oh, no, Arnie, I can't do that. Arnie, please, what would be the point of doing that? Arnie, listen, it wouldn't be sincere, so why bother? Arnie, can we do that next week, please? Uh, well, no, that's not what it's called, of course. <laughs> but it's what everyone says when I suggest it as an exercise. So what is this dreadful exercise? It's not that dreadful. But any anything that... Makes us uncomfortable. It's really interesting how quickly we're triggered. So, in previous shows, we've talked about holding an immaculate concept for people. Not to be confused, of course, with the immaculate conception, which is something else altogether and difficult to demonstrate on the radio. An immaculate concept is held for people who need healing energy. You picture the person with a slight, contented smile on their face. And then you place them in the middle of a bright white egg-shaped aura, an aura that extends below the feet into Mother Earth. So we visualize the person floating in this brilliant white aura, not floating all over the place, a stable floating. And once you stabilize that visual, you breathe deeply and slowly. And you say nine times to the person in the white egg bubble, you are as perfect as the moment of your creation. You are as perfect as the moment of your creation. It takes about one minute to say it nine times slowly. And that's it. That's the magic. The magic contained in this one simple protocol is beyond our ability to explain it in any known earth language. And so, Arnie, you say, since we've covered this in previous shows, why we're we doing it again, I'll tell you why. I want you to hold an immaculate concept for the person you like the least on the whole planet. Perhaps someone you detest. Perhaps someone who has wronged you, or a member of your family, or your tribe. Perhaps someone who disgusts you, makes your skin crawl. Someone who electrifies every emotional trigger in your being. That's why we're doing this again. Now, chances are you won't be able to do it at first. But I invite you to try again in a day or two. And then try again. And again. And again. Until it gets easier. And until the wounds, yours and theirs start to heal. And you'll know when that happens. In your gut, deep in your gut, you'll know. The simplest protocols done daily with persistence and diligence and focus are the ones that restore our programming to their original manufacturer's default specifications. And how lucky are we that our manufacturer is Supreme Cosmic intelligence and that's it for the wizard's gizzard this week and now i think it's time for a little plug of my services all of which are listed on my website arnieavidician.com well now let me rethink this since they're all listed why should i go into detail visit the website and all shall be revealed let's talk about upcoming events instead also listed on the website. So, coming up very soon on January the 25th, 2020, the next cosmic conversation is Easy Feng Shui 101. And that's not presented by me for a change, it's presented by Feng Shui superstar Linda Kahan. Um, that's here in Wilsonville, Oregon, 7 to 9 p.m. Pacific time, January the 25th, 2020. 20 bucks a pop, go to the website cosmic conversations it'll tell you all about it and you want to sign up for that early because i think linda's going to be quite popular we're not going to have a cosmic conversation in february i'm so sorry i might be traveling but on march 28th i have uh, been asked to repeat deep state defined so we sold out the last one and if i do say so myself I thought I did a very good job explaining such a controversial subject. Many minds were opened, and and that's all we ask. I never ask you to think the way I do. I just ask you to think. And in April, we will be doing a conversation uh, about critical thinking skills. Okay. As of March 2020, I'm going to have openings on both my mentorship programs and my spiritual mastery programs. And discounts are available for those signing up by February the 5th. Again, go to the website, arnieavadisian.com, and uh, all shall be revealed. In May, I'm going to start a psychic development through creative visualization using tarot course, though I might shorten the Title to that. It's a 12 month program. Details on that will be posted in March, but you can call me if you want and get the scoop early. And all of the usual 101 classes on energy work, home and property clearing, all that starts up again in June and goes in through November. And if you don't want to check into the website every day just to see what I'm up to, sign up for my newsletter, Monday Messages. It's short, it's sweet. It's full of buttery goodness and it will keep you up to date with what, where, who and why. And it will also make available to you the discounts not only, um, not always posted on my website for no other reason than, um, I don't know how to get into the back end of my website. And if my partner isn't here, then I can't do it, but I can manage the Monday messages. (laughs) All right, my darlings, we're almost at the end of our show, but not quite. I have a little quiz for you, and I'm going to read a poem, not one of mine. Don't panic. It's a real poem written by a real poet. I'm going to read a short poem for you, and if you can identify the author, you will win a $40 gift certificate to my services, any of my services. All right. Are we all ready? And bear in mind, um, this might be a translation. Um, Sip of martini, I think. Quick sip of martini. So, here goes. No title, of course, because that would be too easy. He desired me, so I came close. No one can hear God unless he has prepared a bed for you. A thousand souls hear his call every second, but most every one then looks into their life's mirror and says, I'm not worthy to leave this sadness. When I first heard his courting song, I too looked at all I had done in my life and said, how can I gaze into his omnipresent eyes? I spoke those words with all my heart. But then he sang again. A song even sweeter. And when I tried to shame myself once more from his presence, God showed me his compassion and spoke a divine truth. I made you, dear, and all I make is perfect. Please come close, for I desire you. Hmm. Drop me an email or a postcard and let me know who wrote that. And if you're right, if you're correct, I will send you a $40 gift certificate to any of my services. All right, my darlings, let's take a look at the time. Well, ah, uh, I've finished my martini. And that means that it's the end of this week's show. I hope you enjoyed listening in as much as I enjoyed recording it because I had an absolute blast. Today's real-life martini was prudently prepared by yours truly using Dripping Springs Vodka from Texas Hill Country. And it's made from sweet Midwest corn in small hand-crafted batches in a proprietary 50-gallon copper still, which is designed to retain the distinctive character of the vodka prior to mixing with mineral-rich local artesian spring water. So these guys have a 50-gallon still, which means it's a micro-distillery, small batches, good quality. And I must say, I have no idea how I came by this bottle of vodka. People just keep showing up at my office and leaving bottles of vodka at the door. Um, if you do that, would you mind putting it in a bag and putting a note in it so that I know who it's from so I can thank you? And also just to mention that in my building around the corner um, – There is one of these DUI places where people who have lost their license go for coaching. So please don't be leaving bottles of vodka uncovered outside my door. It just it doesn't set up a good vibration. Um, And I'm very grateful. Don't stop bringing me vodka. I love vodka. I love gin. But just let's be a little bit more gentle and let me know who you are so I can thank you. I don't know who gave me this one, but I'd like to get more. (laughs) So good job to my Texan Hill country friends, with whom I have absolutely no affiliation, just a great affection for their products, and may all our springs drip such good vodka. Now, friends, remember, cocktails are awesome if they are an occasional treat. If you use high-quality ingredients and take the art of mixology seriously, one drink is all you need. I'm Ani Abadisian. This was Metaphysical Martini, a production of Cosmic Reality Radio to whom we are most grateful. Until we meet again, let the spirit inhabit the human. You have been listening to The Metaphysical Martini Show with Ani Abadisian, the suburban shaman. Production of Cosmic Reality Radio.